1: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a market market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. And of course, welcome to the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you, and try to put this into some sort of context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. How did everything go so bad so fast? Is this the horrific new normal? After the day, a day where the Dow tumbled 608 points, S&P plunged 3.09%, NASDAQ plummeted 4.43%, I'm worried that the answer is yes. Between the Fed and the trade war, we're in rough shape. Let me start by saying that this market's not behaving all that rationally. It's moving at the speed of light as algorithms act like machine guns, mowing down stocks indiscriminately, taking no prisoners. None. Today was the first day in ages where the market not only ignored legitimately positive early surprises, it actually punished them. Many companies that reported spectacular quarters saw their stocks get treated like they'd missed numbers. That's what I mean by irrational. Although we often see this kind of irrationality in a bear market. Gee, it sure felt like one today, didn't it? This action is insanely emotional. During the most terrifying moments of the session, of which there were many, we could have heard that a company was getting a takeover bid. And I think its stock could still have gone down. Yes, it is that bad out there. The
0: house of pain.
1: Of course, if a company actually reported a bad quarter, if it disappointed, it was disastrous. No matter what management said, no matter how they tried to put a positive spin on the numbers, their stocks got annihilated. Bad results always hurt. But the post earnings pain hasn't been this severe since the lead up to the Great Recession. It gets worse. If you were hoping earnings seasons would arrive like the Cavalry in a John Ford movie and rescue us, this is not that kind of Western. Companies are missing left and right. It's just incredible how bad the ratio is of good earnings to bad. And even when they make the quarter, it means nothing because their forecast could be abysmal. So the printed numbers, the good old beaten raises remember those, have little to do with how a stock trades. You get something like Texas Instruments, which reported a terrific quarter. But then issued a horrendous, hideous forecast with no further explanation other than business is slowing and the stock falls apart, down more than 8% today. And that is a great American company, for heaven's sake. You get a minor revenue miss from one line of business, as you saw after the close today, from AMD. And look out below. So, why is all this happening at once? How can companies report terrific results and then have such trepidation about the future? Look, if you've been watching the show, there's really nothing new here. Tariffs and interest rates are the culprits. And now they've become intertwined in a way that is indeed nightmarish for the stock market. In fact, when it comes to the macro, the big picture, I cannot recall a moment more convoluted than this one. And that's a kind way to put it. Why? Because the two men with the most influence over the stock market in the world, the president and the Fed chief, are engaged in a totally destructive tug of war where both sides are wrong. That's right. President Trump and Fed Chairman Jerome Powell have staked out opposite sides of the economy. And the real loser is you, the investor. Let's address the war camp, so to speak, because you need to understand exactly how tense the situation is. A lot of it is behind why we were so bad today. Now, we know the president has been adamant that the biggest risk to the economy is the Federal Reserve's desire to raise interest rates rapidly in order to quell inflation before it really takes off. We know the Fed's all about tightening in lockstep one rate hike in December and then three more next year. They believe the economy's accelerating, accelerating. They want to ensure that inflation doesn't get out of control. The Fed figures were almost at full employment, which means wages could spiral higher, even as they're barely up 70 cents year over year. Now, ironically, both the Fed and the president are wrong here. And they're wrong about the same thing. They both think the economy is red hot. But the data we've gotten over the last few weeks and the earnings reports we're getting right now, well, they paint a very different picture. That picture suggests that the economy's gotten tepid. And in some areas, it's downright nasty. We already knew that housing's been weak. I come out here and say that every night. We knew that autos have been slowing. Hey, maybe Ford reported a number that wasn't so horrendous, but... Now we have a whole new wave of worries stemming directly from the White House's trade war with China. Company after company has given us a downbeat forecast and blamed it on the tariffs and trade issues, especially the ones related to supply problems. Keep hearing about the supply chain being interrupted by the tariffs. Why? Because no matter what happens, someone will have to pay the cost of these tariffs, either the consumer or the manufacturer or maybe the retailer. All three options are bad for business. Yeah. For example, just last night we heard from an alpha, ah, you probably don't think it matters, but it's a good metaphor at the moment, iRobot. It's a company that makes a really cool Roomba, the rat robot vacuum. Now, a high-end Roomba might sell for 700 bucks. The company's now telling us they'll eat the cost of the China tariffs they have rather than passing them on to the consumer. Well, how do you like that? Even though iRobot reported fantastic revenues, the stock was crushed, losing more than 12% of its value today because they're eating the tariff. But every company that's caught in the trade war crossfire finds itself in a heads I win, tails you lose situation. If the retailer or the manufacturer eats the tariffs, their earnings take a hit. If the consumer eats it, the sales go down since higher prices drive people away. In short, it's a Roomba market. What a world. Now, there are ways out of this mess. I don't want to present this thing as some sort of nihilistic nightmare, that's not true. Maybe China blinks and we don't have to worry about disruptive supply chains or who eats what or the tariffs going higher next year as they're scheduled to. You know, it's become increasingly unlikely though. Things have only gotten worse as the months drag on and drag on is the operative term. The rhetoric's gotten more heated, not less. The stakes are higher, not lower. And it no longer feels like a trade skirmish or a trade tiff or even a trade war. No, it's kind of like we're in a full-blown Cold War. A Cold War with China. And if you remember, the PRC didn't do much business with us during the Cold War. So unless China blinks pretty soon, and I'm saying that the president's really unlikely to blink, our president, we're going to have to start expecting number cuts from companies that have any kind of Chinese exposure. And that's why this market's going down. It's ratcheting down to try to find which ones, and then, like, keep chicken mixers crushing them. Then there's the Fed. Maybe the Fed blinks and puts next year's three rate hikes on hold. But Jerome Powell's in a tough spot now because the president keeps hectoring him. Last night, Trump openly provoked Powell by making fun of him, by saying that raising rates seems to make him happy. I've never seen this kind of thing before. It's almost surreal. The president appointed Powell, for heaven's sake. If he wanted a less hawkish Fed chief, he should have kept Janet yelling. You never want to see the head of state go to war with your central bank. But more importantly, Every time the president bashes him, he actually makes it harder for Powell to back down. If he blinks now, we will damage the Fed's credibility. And this is supposed to be an independent institution. On the other hand, if Powell doesn't blink, well, Powell could crush the economy.
0: A house of, a house of pain. There we
1: go, right? That sure seems like the most likely outcome, doesn't it? Especially when you hear that new home sales announced this morning were horrendous.
0: The house of pain. the house of, the house of pain. The worst
1: in a couple of years is higher mortgage rates have made many homes unaffordable. Of course, things can, can work out for the better. It's possible. Remember, there's always a bull market somewhere. I mean, stocks can go down enough that they correct themselves on their own. The consumer packaged goods names are certainly in bull market mode. They're flying. Uh, they're flying because they offer good dividends versus declining long term bond yields. Then again, bond yields are declining because business is not so good. The strength in the recession stocks is more like the silver lining to a very dark dark cloud. The bottom line, even after today's pacing, I don't think we're out of the woods. There's still some more bad news lurking in many places. And prices, they're just adjusting. I don't want you to be a hero. The worst may not be over. President Trump and the Fed need to stop fighting over what they believe is a red-hot economy. And then you need to realize the business has slowed, as unpalatable as that may be. Until that happens, you need to stay cautious. We'll get through this, as a lot of it is man-made. But the people who made it have to change their minds before we can be too positive, even with these now dramatically lower stock prices. Let's go to Sonny in Texas. Sonny.
2: Hi,
0: Jim. Thank you all for taking my call and for your authenticity. I'm calling about a stock that was on your power rankings but is down over 20% from its recent high. I can't see any negative catalysts. Yeah. So NPC Marathon Petroleum and Innocent Buy from the general market? Or am I missing some information that's making it a broken company? Uh,
1: no, I mean, I think what people are saying is is that the spread between what, where uh, the really inexpensive Permian. And what they're refining it at is getting narrower. But it's really not. I think that this one's just a victim of circumstance. Uh, Gary Hemminger's doing a terrific job. It is a stock that was down badly today like many other stocks. But no, Sonny, it's, there's nothing wrong. Uh, but it is in the oil cohort, and everything related to oil is getting crushed. Let's go to Bill in Florida. Bill.
3: Hi, Jim. First-time caller, long-time viewer.
2: My question's on Excellent. BlackBerry, because they've had decent earnings. They've got this patent litigation, continues to falter. I've got 3,700 shares, average cost about 825 Should I uh, buy some more, sell, or hold?
1: It's an inexpensive stock. It's an inexpensive stock, but I have no catalyst. And understand that right now, even the best of the best tech stocks are coming down. So I think you have to expect that stock's going to go a little bit lower before it bottoms. All right. Hey, there is a lot to get through here. But don't we always get through it together? You think this time's going to be any different? Oh, by the way, I want you to join me tonight, right after this, for a CNBC special report with my friend Melissa Lee. We will have every angle covered. 7 p.m. Eastern. We just aren't out of the woods yet. This may be the new suboptimal normal for some time. Oh, man, buddy! Tonight from the city of Brotherly Love, I'm telling you how to spot the clear divergence between the best and worst performers in each sector this earnings season. And after a topsy-turvy day, the Dow only closed down more than 600 points. What's your game plan? Call me or tweet me. I got your back. And how a $2 billion e-commerce brand competes with the likes of Amazon. So stay with Kramer.
3: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at one 800 743 cnbc Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I'm opening up the lines to hear from you, the voices of
1: Craig America, because it's an uncertain time. I want to talk to you. Mr. Kramer, I just
4: want to tell you, you are absolutely, positively fantastic. Thanks for helping us not
1: panic in times like this. The average investor, which we all know and love, you cater to us, and we appreciate that for all you teach us. I am not going anywhere. You
3: shouldn't either. We will get through this together. Kramer has your back. Call 1-800-743-CNBC, and let's take on the market together. We're
1: going to figure this out. We'll puzzle it over, and we'll make it so that we're all smart.
3: Take
5: your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com businessgoldcard
3: business Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more.
1: Only when the tide goes out do you discover who is swimming naked. That fabulous quote from the great Warren Buffett is the perfect tagline for this so far awful earnings season. We're seeing lots of naked CEOs, along with plenty of good ones in swimming trunks, and often they're in the exact same sector. So who's swimming naked? Something we need to know before we start buying into this horrendous tape. First, the big one for me is ATT versus Horizon. I can't believe how solid Verizon's numbers are. With the company delivering terrific earnings beat and an amazingly healthy 510,000 new postpaid subscribers that revealed yesterday, Verizon's firing on all cylinders. It's a buy if it ever comes down again. ATT on the other hand, it missed badly. Earning 90 cents when Wall Street was looking for 94 cents. There was a lot of noise around some real weakness in ATT's direct TV division. Hey, look, I'm not saying the dividend is in doubt, although the stock now sports a disturbingly high 6.6% yield, and that is too high for my risk taste. The cash flow, though, is very strong. But I do think there's become a lack of predictability and some real paltry subscriber gains that need to be addressed if ATT is ever going to regain its status as a blue chip stock and lose this address. The
0: house of Pain. Who
1: else has no clothes? I was crushed by 3 ms stunningly bad <laughs> results that it reported the other day. We had a big position in 3M for my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Fortunately, we saw a big chunk of it because we didn't like what we had heard about the company's auto exposure. What we didn't expect was a sudden decline in 3M's healthcare and consumer businesses. And we didn't expect management to slash its forecast after having guided down not that long ago. Just an unacceptable number from a great American company. The first thing is that 3M has no one to blame but itself. Plenty of other conglomerates are doing great. Honeywell and United Technologies both delivered terrific numbers and raised their guidance. Sure, 3M doesn't have major aerospace exposure like Honeywell and United Technologies. Thank heavens, that's still in a bull market mode. But it has a mosaic of businesses that thrived under the leadership of the old CEO Inga Tulin. Now, though, ever since Mike Roman took the helm, 3M's been left in the dust. If he doesn't pull Rabbit out of a hat soon, I think he may be yanked. Like John Flannery was after a very short period at GE. How about Illinois Toolworks? For now, for years I've loved this industrial manufacturer for its diversification. A fabulous mix that's not dependent on any one sector and always excelled in all of them. But today Illinois Toolworks told us that it sold weakness in autos, specialty products, and polymers and fluids. That's awful. This stock's now fallen from 179 to under 120 after losing nearly $7 today alone. Then there's the big difference in the drug business. We hear from Bristol Myers tomorrow, but it looks like Bristol Myers has fallen behind the rest of the group, in part because the company's major anti-cancer franchise seems to be eroding. (laughs) However, Merck keeps getting stronger. I'm used to all of these pharma stocks trading together, like one big ETF. Now it seems like a thing of the past. Meanwhile, Eli Lilly has become unstoppable because of relentless innovation, not to mention its spin-off of Volanco, the animal health business. Maybe Bristol-Mars will surprise me to the positive tomorrow, but if not, there, this is all about poor execution. We see the same thing in the aerospace and defense cohort. Boeing, well, what can I say? Boeing keeps performing amazingly well in both end markets, which is why the stock roared today, even as the rest of the market got slammed again. But General Dynamics only had okay defense numbers. Terrible aerospace, including a major plunge in its Gulfstream jet business. So the stock loses 7.7% of its value. And by the way, that is a good company. Sometimes these divergences are harder to see. On a day like today, all the consumer packaged goods stocks were higher. Because that's what you buy if you're worried about a slowdown, let alone a recession. However, in terms of execution, there's a vast gulf between the excellent Procter & Gamble and the not-so-hot Kimberly Clark. Procter took market share even as it raised prices for many products. Kimberly, well, let's just say it had the exact opposite. Their diaper business was downright leaky compared to Procter. I think Kimberly's stock is being kept up afloat by its 3.8% dividend yield, which looks a lot more attractive with long term interest rates coming down because of the slowdown. But even with this rotation into Staples, I expect Procter's stock is going to start pulling away from Kimberly Clark's. Oh, and upon further review, We now recognize just how fabulous Indra Nui's last quarter at PepsiCo really was. Look, I know that the world is slowing. You know it now. You've been watching. That's been my thesis despite all the happy talk from the president and the Fed. But some companies are managing the tide better than others. When the tide stops, well, and I believe it might, and I'm talking about the tide of selling, when October finally and mercifully ends, the swimmers with trunks, well, they'll get bought. But the ones that are naked, all I can say is hide your eyes. Let's take a caller. Let's go to Bob in New Jersey. Bob. Thank you for taking
2: my call, Jim. Um, I want to talk about the former Valiant Pharmaceutical, BHC. Uh, It's a global eye health company. Uh, They're involved in pharmaceuticals, medical devices, over-the-counter products. They're launching... For the first time, a surgical support app for vision enhancement called iTelligence, working with the IBM right. cloud. Uh, can they uh, surge beyond their target of 26, or is this a no-profit, no-profit sort of thing? Well, Well, Bob, I have to tell you,
1: that actual uh, partnership won't really matter that much, and a lot of the drug stocks are really coming down here. I need you to, as much as I think that Joe Papa's doing a terrific job, uh, let's say if Merck comes down tomorrow off the market and the number's good or Eli Lilly comes down, I think those are going to be better, uh, particularly Merck. Now, again, Joe Papa doing a great job, but we can upgrade to the highest quality right in here, and I think that a Merck might be right after the earnings are reported. All right, everybody. Earnings season is in full force, and boy, oh, boy, there is a clear divergence between the best and the worst performers in each sector. When the selling lifts, you'll see it even more clearly. Much more mad money ahead. The Dow has turned negative for the year. What's your next move? I'm going to open the phone lines. I'm giving you a plan of attack that Amazon might be eating everyone's lunch, but one e-commerce company is faring rather well. I'll reveal the private player just ahead. And during Rob Sands' tenure at Constellation Brands, its total shareholder returns surged over 950% compared with 141% return for the S&P 500. With News any stepping aside, I'm sitting down with a man himself and his successor to see what's ahead for the company. So stay with Kramer.
5: Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how VivGart, FGart Tigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgart.com MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com MOA. Brought to you by Argenics.
1: I'm not in denial. I know where we live. The House of
0: Pain. But I
1: also know this is an interactive show that is trying to help you get through difficult moments. And this is one just like the difficult moments we endured from 2007 to 2009. Is this one different? Yes, it's actually not as bad. But it certainly feels as painful as that time. So what I like to do when that happens, I like to open the phone lines and speak to you. Talk to you get some input from you so i can help and let's start with tim in california tim
2: hey sir uh, quick question for you so i'm a millennial um, sure. that has a lot of uh tech stocks um on a day like today like today like today i get a little scared um should i hold or should i um kind of start researching a little bit more
1: no look i mean we always want to do buy and homework not uh buy and hold we have to stay close to all the companies we own you know what? You're blessed. You're a millennial. That means you've got many years to make the money back. Frankly, if I were in your shoes, I would say, you know what? We go down a little bit more. We get even more oversold. And I would start buying and put some money in an index fund. Maybe you save for, for, uh, for retirement. Put a little extra in. So, no, you don't cut and run here, but you've got to continue to do the homework. Some very good tech earnings are happening. Nobody cares, but believe me. Even in 2009, they started caring once the selling let up. Let's go to Ronnie in Florida. Ronnie.
2: Yes, Jim. Booyah. Ronnie Kilbride, originally from Brooklyn. Listen, I got an earnings question, go. that everybody's calling me because I was the next commodities broker in the trade center. My question okay. is, like AMD today, the earnings was expected, I think, whatever twelve point six billion, right. and it was only twelve point four. Why is everybody right. selling AMD when they still made twelve point four billion dollars?
1: Okay, Ronnie, look, this is a great point. And what's happened is is that there's several businesses in AMD. There's a PC business, and that was absolutely excellent, okay? There's some businesses that are involving with data center, and they're incredibly strong. But they have a graphical user interface business that was not that good. And the reason why is a lot of it has to do with superheated uh, crypto and blockchain. And that had to get weaker. The same thing happened, by the way, with NVIDIA two quarters ago. It's going to take a couple quarters to work through, and then AMD will be fine. And don't forget where that stock came from and how fabulous Lisa Sue has done. We're going to have her tomorrow morning on, on Squawk on the Street to, to reform and remake this company. But it got too heated, and there was a line that was wrong. I and mean, when you have a stock that is up that much, and you have one line, which is the graphical user bit. That one line, it's enough to send the thing lower. But I bet it, there is another day where you'll want to own AMD. How about we go to Robert in Florida? Robert.
2: Jim, hi there. Uh, you know, what I want to talk to you about today is what any uh, mature uh, retail investor who's been a student of the market uh, would want to speak to you about. Uh, I come from sure. the age of uh, Leon Cooperman, Peter Lynch, and you, uh, guys who know that to invest, you want to get experience management, look for 15% growth, and have proprietary technology if possible. Instead, what we have nowadays are algorithms made by mathematicians. Uh, their parameters—only uh, God knows what their parameters are. Probably nowadays, it's who's going right. to win the next election, and uh, and program trading, program trading by the big guys. Uh, the the, right. the retail investor is gone, uh, has has lost his confidence. And when you see how the market behaves, we're uh, for a few days. Uh, it's drastically up in the a.m., uh, goes down in the p.m., right. and right. when you see a day like today where the market was driven, and I mean driven very low at the okay. very end, where these big shots right. know that the earnings that, were, that came out today were going to be good, and and you can be sure that tomorrow morning the market will be up. Okay, well, Robert, first
1: of all, we- We're not quite sure what it will do. By by the way, I very much appreciate that you put me, uh, although undeservedly, in the camp of Lee Cooper, a good friend of mine, and Peter Lynch, an unbelievable money man. I'm not that. I I had a good record on one TV. I appreciate your confidence in me. Uh, There is way too much uh, program trading as there was in 1987 uh, in another October. There are algorithms that are doing crazy things. But you know what? Good stocks can beat that. We just have to find them and we have to hold them and we can hold the S&P 500 if we can't find them like that. And look at how well we've done regardless of what goes on with these programs. It won't be any different this time. It's a volatile and tough market. But you know what I say. We're going to get through this together. Don't we always? Much more mad money head. It's a private sports player that roots for everyone as long as you root for someone. Don't miss my exclusive with C-Machine Disruptor Fanatics. Then it's the end of an era. I'm sitting down with Constellation's Rob Sands and incoming CEO Bill Newlands to see what's ahead for that terrific company following its management announcement. And get your cheesesteaks ready. It's a very special Philly edition of the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. in philadelphia today for the disruptor 50 road show where we try to identify the startups with the potential to revolutionize their respective industries it's a theme worth focusing on especially on a day when the market tanks a very painful 600 plus points because we always need to be looking out for the companies that are making big waves for tomorrow earlier i got a chance to chat with michael rubin the Philadelphia billionaire investor and serial entrepreneur, who also owns a stake in the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. In 2011, Ruben sold his e commerce company GSI to eBay for $2.4 billion. But eBay only wanted GSI's fulfillment business, so they sold the consumer facing brands back to Ruben. And this includes Fanatics for licensed sports merchandise, Rulala La for flash sales, and Shoprunner, which is a retail benefits program. Ruben's now the founder and CEO of Kinetic, which owns Shoprunner, Rulala, and of course, Fanatics. I think he is a fantastic resource for the aspiring entrepreneurs gathered here in Philly for this disruptor 50 shindig. Take a look. Michael, I got a million things I'm gonna to talk to you about because I'm so proud of you. I'm in Philadelphia and I look up to you, you are great, but you just got back from China. A lot of the weakness in the stock market right now is a belief that there is going to be an endless economic war with the Chinese and us, but you have a different message. Well, look, what I see as
6: an entrepreneur is how much opportunity there is in China. When I went there, I gotta tell you something, it's one of those things you had to see to believe it. We had 45 million people watch our preseason basketball game. Think about that, 45 million people watching a preseason basketball game. That's like half of a Super Bowl rating. That's how rabid the basketball fans are in China. So for me, I think we have nothing but growth opportunity in China. We're just launching Fanatics there. It's a massive opportunity. Um, we think we could build a multi-billion dollar business there, so I couldn't be more bullish on the opportunity.
1: All right, let's talk about Fanatics, because this is an amazing company, one of several that you control, one of several that is just doing incredibly well. I would love to hear about sports, because you're involved, you own teams, Fanatics, Nike. And you know what? You're a free-range guy. you got the ball. you got the rock. So, what do you want to talk about?
6: What, what part let's of it? Let's, let's start, go, let's do it. Let's start
1: with Fanatics and okay. how they're doing So,
6: F- Fanatics is a really exciting business. For me, I'll give you, a, I'll break this down really simply for you. I had a core belief that Amazon and Alibaba were going to control e commerce everywhere in the world. And so, if you have that belief, you've either got two options, completely differentiate yourself right. or go out of business. And I'm not a guy who wants to go out of business, no. so you gotta completely differentiate yourself. I kind of People say all the time, how do you feel about Amazon? I'm like, I owe all of our success to Amazon because we were such a big believer in what they were doing that we built this, again, completely differentiated business model. So what we're doing is really all about vertical commerce. We design, develop, and sell directly to the consumer most of the products that we have. So it's a completely different business. Think about like an H&M or a Zara, but in the sports license business, but mostly online. Okay, so and that, if, and the the yeah. if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, I get a jersey, yeah. is that yours? It's ours.
2: It's we're, yours. Yeah,
6: We're designing the jersey. We're, we're, we're actually, in the case of the jersey, Nike designs the jersey. Going forward, we're actually gonna manufacture the jersey and sell it directly to the consumer. But I'll tell you, just over the Super Bowl specifically, we sold two and a half million units of Eagles merchandise. That's got to make you very happy. Two and a half million units of Eagles merchandise, within a few weeks after the Super Bowl. And we design those products, we manufacture those products, we ship them directly to consumer. And because of the verticality, the consumer gets a wider assortment of merchandise. They get anything they want they get it more quickly, and the leagues and teams make more money while using that data to better
1: communicate with the fans. So it's a win-win for everybody. Now, one of the things that you mentioned, speaking of win-win, uh, there are two, people, two teams I don't want to go against. Amazon, you saw that with your moat. The other one is Nike, I'm always afraid. You partner with Nike. I think you have a great deal starting 2020. Yeah, we, we
6: do, and so, if you really think about the sports license business and, the, and you think about the sports things, what a league wants and what a team wants is to have the best marketing brand in the world And Nike's this incredible brand, but they don't wake up every day and go to bed every night thinking about, how do I maximize every sale in the licensed sports business? So what the leagues did, and they were smart, they said, let's split this from one set of rights to two sets of rights. And let's work with Nike to be this incredible marketing partner and to really use it to drive the Nike brand and the NFL brand. At the same time, let's work with Fanatics to drive
1: transactions. And now you've got two companies instead of one really growing the business as much as possible. Now, you uh, bought these back from this, and we'll also talk uh, about another one that you bought back. From eBay, eBay is now. I don't know if they're still an investor, but they are. That's about a 27 billion dollar company. If I were to buy shares in Kinetics, if it came public, I think it'd be worth more than eBay. Well, I hope one day. It certainly won't be today, but
6: I hope one day it will be. And certainly, we, we have we have really exciting companies. Look, for us, the truth be told, and people say this all the time you know, was eBay smart for some of the businesses? First, eBay was very focused. They didn't want to be in the owned inventory business. Number two, these were teeny companies. When I bought Fanatics back from eBay, it was a $250 million company. It's gonna do $2.3 billion this year. It has a completely different strategy. When we bought back Rue La, La from eBay, it was a $200 million business. Now we bought Guild, now it's close to a billion dollar business. Shopper didn't have $100 million in transactions. It's going to do, next year, 3 or $4 billion in transactions. So we've, take these, we've took these businesses, we've developed the strategies, we've evolved them, and we've made them into what they are today. And
1: here's the most exciting thing, we're just getting going. Well, one last thing. Uh, you have a stake in the Devils, you have a big stake in the Sixers, uh, but you were thinking about buying the Panthers. The Panthers beat the Eagles this weekend. Had you bought the Panthers, who would you have rooted for?
6: Well, that's easy. Timmy, to, to, to let me tell you something. <laughs> Other than the Sixers, um, for me, my loyalty, is all about, my loyalty is all about who makes us the most money. So I'm very easy to swap teams. If I owned the Panthers, I w- would have been rooted to destroy the Eagles. I mean, I love Jeffrey. He's my buddy. But Jeffrey business is business yeah, and sports of sports, you're, you're there for one reason, which is to win. I actually always laugh when people come up to me and say, hey, good luck, you know, before a game. I'm like, I was like, I wish I could tell another good luck. I'm like, I hope you, for the next three hours, I hope you die. Oh. Like, 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 I have no issues hey. with you go. I right. love
1: you before the game and I love you after the game. Well, There's no love during I the like game. I like the way you think. That's Michael Rubin, Fanatics executive chairman and co-owner of the 76ers. It is time. It is time for a special Philadelphia edition of the Light Round. Man, by my That's why I'm taking the calls right by you say The name is South Center. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, the middle of the thought point. in we're to the sound. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? ski Daddy? It's over the lightning round. Because we're going to start with Daryl in Texas. Daryl.
2: Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My question's on. Of Felkey. course, Darryl. I bought, bought a lot of it over the last couple of days thinking it was protected from interest rate and tariffs, and isn't it went to a new 52-week low today. Yeah, there's think?
1: absolutely nothing that's negative on Celgene. The problem is, again, that everything in the biotech cohort is going down all at once. So I don't have any solace other than to say that there's nothing individually wrong with Celgene versus any of the others and just kind of ride your way right through this one. Ray in New Jersey. Ray.
2: Hi. How you doing? Uh, I'm calling in reference to I'm Apple, good, uh, Ray. How are you? Good, good, thanks. Apple uh, hospitality, the REIT. Uh, I've I've had it for right. about two and a half years. I've had it for two years uh, when it went public, and uh, about a year before that okay. so when it was private. Uh,
1: it's a solid REIT. It's not. I, I'm not going to say it's blow away. It's got a good yield. Interest rates are going lower because of the slowdown. It's fine. Let's go to Robert in Texas. Robert.
2: Yes. Hi, Jim. This is Robert in
4: Houston saying hello, okay. first time caller, I've been watching your show for Excellent. three years, appreciate all you do for investors, okay. wanted to ask about Thank Lululemon,
1: you. Lululemon, I think it's going to have a terrific quarter. we actually got an upgrade today, I think it was right, and I actually believe it or not, retail is going to be good, I think you'll do okay in Lulu. let's go to Bill in Florida, Bill,
2: hey Jim, this is a big booyah from St. Augustine, Florida, my like, like question for you on? is
1: on Red Robin. Ah, uh, no, See, they have spotty execution. Think about this: on a huge down 600 day, McDonald's stock was actually up. Where's McDonald's stock going? I bet that stock could go to 200. And that jump to the conclusion of the lightning round.
3: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: On a day where the Dow sinks a whopping 600-plus points, a painful day, it's important to remember to see the trees through the forest. Individual companies might still matter. Okay, maybe not today, but they will. And one that we are a big believer in had a big changing of the guard recently. So we have to ask ourselves, what do we do with the recently announced change that we're seeing at Constellation Brands. Do that three weeks ago we sat down with Rob Sands? He's the CEO of Constellation right after he delivered a terrific quarter that sent the stock surging higher. Constellation's the U.S. distributor of Corona and Modelo. Hey, people still drink beer even when the stock market goes down. And they also got a bunch of other alcoholic brands and a major investment in canopy growth. That's the biggest Canadian cannabis play. Since then, though, oh boy, Constellation's had an eventful few weeks. The marijuana stocks have all sold off hard in the wake of Canadian legalization, something I predicted, and that's put this stock under pressure, too. We're hearing the company might want to sell some of its wine brands, maybe pay down some debt. And most importantly, last week, we learned that Rob Sands will be retiring on March 1st, turning over the top job to his current chief operating officer and president, Bill Newlands, although he plans to stay on as chairman of the board. The stock has sold off hard to the point where you're now getting the last quarter, a great one, for free. I still like it, but in many ways, this is indeed the end of an era. Earlier today, I got a chance to check in with Rob Sands, outgoing CEO of Constellation Brands, and his chosen successor, Bill Newlands, to get a better read on where the company's headed. Take a look. Well, first, Rob, great to see you here. Bill, great to have you. Rob, you're still a very young man. Why are you retiring, and is this really the right time?
4: First of all, let me say that uh, you know succession planning is always uh, one of the most important things that uh, we do at, at the company to make sure that you know, we have the best and the brightest. And I've been CEO for 11 years, so, uh, and the company has great momentum, and we're in a great position of strength at the moment. So, so I simply felt that now's the time uh, to retire as CEO. Uh, certainly I'll be moving to the chairman position, so I'll still be involved uh, with the company quite considerably and in the strategic direction of the company. So it seemed like a, it seemed like the right time. Always good to do these things from a position of strength as opposed to uh, when you're on your back foot. So uh, I believe that uh, it was the right decision to make.
1: All right, now, you're still running the company, so I have to tell you Bank of America, Merrill Lynch came out today and said that you might sell some of your wines, uh, Claude Bois, uh Mark West, and some others, uh, to raise maybe as much as $3 billion. I don't know where the story came from, but they said it would be uh, necessary to pay down debt. Uh, I find it surprising. You have such great cash flow, you don't need to do that. But is this something that you're pondering?
7: One of the things that, that is very clear is we believe strongly in the wine business. We've invested a lot in the last few years on high-end properties like Mayomi, The Prisoner, Charles Smith, but we also have recognized there's times when you need to look at what you're doing at the lower end of the business. And, and we said on our last earnings call, Rob said it on the call, that, that we were considering strategic alternatives for some of our tail wine brands. And we are going to do that. But uh, don't mistake the fact that we believe strongly in the wine business. It's a high margin business and one that has good growth compared to most CPG areas.
1: Well, Bill, let me follow up on that. If you did sell uh, some of the wines, particularly some of the lower-end wines, would you use that money to be able to pay down some of the debt that you took in order to be able to buy a big stake in Canopy?
7: Well, again, this is all, uh, this is all conjecture at this point. But certainly, there's, that would give us plenty of opportunities to either invest further at the high end or to pay down debt.
1: Okay, Rob. Uh, now that Canada has repealed, you've had a couple of days to think about it. You've certainly, we saw Bruce Lytton on this morning earlier. He is saying that it is going much, even much better than he thought in terms of demand. Are you surprised about the incredible demand for cannabis?
4: Well, I, I can't say that I'm really surprised. Um, you know, Bruce uh, is, has obviously been telling us the same thing. And uh, what we're observing in Canada is that uh, there's tremendous demand uh people have been lining up uh to to purchase uh purchase the product um, so i'm not surprised because this is exactly what we predicted was going to occur and so far it's playing out uh, pretty much exactly as we predicted so you know we're incredibly enthusiastic about our investment in canopy and uh you know, feel even better after the first few days that uh, it's going to be an unbelievable investment and an unbelievable market. Um, This is only the beginning. We're only two days in, and, uh, you know, it's going gangbusters. So we're incredibly excited about it, Jim.
1: Uh, uh, Recently, Bill, when you and I were in a teach-in, we heard Bruce say that he bought a huge amount of Constellation stock because he believed that one day Canopy would be boosting the value of Constellation. Are we there already?
7: Well, I I think it's fair to say that would be good for the shareholders if he was right. But uh, I don't know that we're there yet. You know, our core business continues to perform extremely well, and our beer business uh, is just a tremendous asset, uh, as well as our high-end wine business. So I don't think we're quite at that stage yet, but it wouldn't upset any of us if this bet that we've made proves itself out in the way that Bruce thinks it might.
1: I have to tell you, Bill, when I listened to Bruce this morning, he's really focused on the medical side. When I listened to you at our teach, and I know that you've got great taste masters, you've got fabulous people that know how to take cannabis and make it in recreational form that Canadians like. What are some of the things you are doing with cannabis right now in terms of using all the skill sets that Constellation has that's going to make it so popular?
7: Well, a lot of medical testing is going on. Uh, We're also exploring how you do things like emulsification so that you could put uh, cannabis-based products into beverages, as an example. So a lot of work's being done to, to, to make sure that you have the right understanding of dosage, that you have the right understanding of how people want to use it, and, and be prepared for the future as legalization occurs around the world.
1: Rob, there is, uh, I think, a... a- Let's just say a whole skein of thought that's been, that's been killed by that last quarter. People felt that you're taking some sort of defensive move by uh, being in, can- in Canopy. That's completely wrong. The business is great. But you know what? I see all your ads on the NFL. And I have to believe that NFL ratings being much better than expected means that Constellation may be having a much better than expected run for Corona and Modelo. Is there some sort of correlation that we can watch for?
4: Yeah, I think the thing to look at, uh, Jim, is uh, the IRI numbers, which is um, consumer takeaway in in grocery store, measured by scans. And uh, the business is really better than ever. I mean, the Corona family is performing incredibly well. Our new products, uh, Corona Premier and Corona Familiar, have done fantastically. Uh, The Modelo uh, family continues to be the biggest growth driver in the entire beer business Um, We've we've seen no deacceleration, even though uh, the comps we were against are, you know, very large double digit comps. But again, we've seen no deacceleration. NFL, uh, uh, you know, picking up uh, is is certainly a a positive. I think that that's um, that also is indicative of a very positive trend with consumers. And the industry in general, no less for our brands, which are the fastest growing and best beer brands in the United States right now. So, uh, you know, that's only great news uh, when televised sports, um, which is an important advertising uh, area for us, when, when, when they're doing good, uh, we'll, we'll do even better. But, you know, we did well last year when the NFL wasn't doing so great. And if it's doing much better this year, uh, that's going to be a tremendous positive for us, I think, even on top of uh, the momentum that we already have. So we're, we're extremely uh, enthusiastic about that.
1: All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. That's Rob Sands, Constellation CEO, and Bill Newlands, President CEO and soon-to-be soon CEO of Constellation SDC. Thank you so much to both of you, gentlemen. Great to see you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Hey, don't go anywhere. I'm joining my friend Melissa Lee for a CNBC special report. We will have every angle of this volatility covered. All right, everybody listen. Uh, This is like no market we've seen in a decade. But a decade ago, we had one like this. We gave you a big difference. Right now, balance sheets are good. They were terrible. Right now, the banks are strong. Back then, they were awful. Right now, we have what I call man-made problems, whether they be tariffs or whether it be interest rates that are too tight. Back then, we had cataclysmic financial situation that was really difficult to undo, and a lot of instruments that nobody understood, and a Federal Reserve that was even tighter than this one. So as long as it's man-made, it can be undone by the people who did it. They just have to realize what they're doing. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise try i find it just for you right here on Mad Money.